0: podcasters. Over the course of this podcast, I plan to share with you my life stories and recollections, all of which have shaped my identity while on my road to recovery with mental illness and addictions. Before I get started, I just want to explain that my intent is not to villainize anyone in the stories that I share, it's not to create sides for anyone to be on, and it's not even for me to have a platform to play myself as the victim. I want to share what my view is on my lived experiences all in how it shaped my identity so my intent with each episode is actually the five following items one to encourage story sharing by and reducing stigmas two to promote the pursuit of recovery journeys that are thoughtful and unique to each person's needs motivation styles and comfort levels three I want to inspire others by leading by example in open and honest recovery and wellness while continuing to learn, grow, and adapt. Four, I want to bring to light the ignorance, stereotypes, biases, and stigmas associated with mental illnesses, including addiction. And finally, I just want to support the understanding that each story in a person's life will contribute to shaping identity. I've established my intent. I would like to just jump right in. Um, So, yeah, are you ready for some vulnerability? Here it is. I've thought a lot about where to start my story of recovery. Do I start in the past, the present, or do I even dabble in what I hope the future will hold because of the steps that I'm taking? Well, I think no matter where I start, there's always going to be further explanations needed and I will need to flip back and forth between now and then and try to make sense of it all. I will do my best to be as clear and organized as my scattered ADHD mind will allow. <laughs> For some starting notes, I just want to say that I'm, I'm not a doctor. I can't diagnose, I can't prescribe or insist on any treatment or course of action Even if I was in one of those positions, it's firmly my belief that recovery is unique and there is no one-size-fits-all to prescribe to. I will, however, share what has worked for me, and hopefully that inspires others to find what works for them. Second, I want to explain that my lived experience lies within the following – I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety at a very young age when I started going to a counselor after my parents' separation. I think I was about eight or nine, and most, more recently, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. For those that don't know what borderline personality disorder entails, um, just a little bit about it, it essentially affects the way that I perceive myself and how I perceive others. Um, so I've always kind of never been able to look at myself with an unbiased lens or look at myself in a way that is truly reflective of who I am. Um, And I mean, I am getting better at self-awareness and self-reflection. And it is possible to recover from borderline personality disorder. So maybe I'm I'm on my way. But I, yeah, have just always had this misperception of myself and others. Um, In addition to that, I also have really intense... Abandonment Issues. What's interesting to me about my abandonment issues is that I also have really inappropriate and intense spouts of anger, um, typically misdirected anger. And so I think that it just is ironic that I'm so worried about people leaving me and yet this part of my personality disorder, you know, um, not expressing my feelings very well. And it comes out very angrily sometimes. And I mean, I don't blame people for not wanting to be around that or not wanting to put themselves in a position where they're being blamed, blamed, or, um, held accountable for someone else's rage on top of that I really have fluctuating mood swings Um, I can go from super low depressed hating myself hating life um, all the way up to a point of mania super happy super energetic, taking on all the tasks and overwhelming myself with too many things to do and too many commitments. So there's, there's that too. There's a lot that plays into my ability to build and maintain relationships. And so I am very lucky for the ones who have stuck around and are allowing me this opportunity to learn and grow especially from my mistakes um, and, you know, be a be a human and head down this road of recovery. One more thing I'd like to add about borderline personality disorder is that I really struggle with suicide ideation. And it's something I've struggled with for a long, long time and something that you know, I've worked on in therapy is that something that kind of triggers this ideation is rejection and abandonment. And so I've had to really learn about the steps I can take to not go down that path and to put myself in a more positive light and direction. So that. In a very small, very summarized nutshell, is my experience with borderline personality disorder. Further down the list of my lived experience is with ADHD. I also have a binge eating disorder. And, oh, and the binge eating disorder is actually, as I found out, a symptom of BPD, which is Borderline Personality Disorder. Um, It's essentially just one of the many impulsive behaviors I could exhibit. In addition to these things, I have also experienced prenatal and postpartum anxiety. And a traumatic labor resulting in post-traumatic stress. So. With all this in mind, I think I've decided to start this podcast in 2016 when I thought I had it all. At the time, I was literally telling people, I've changed, I'm happier, I'm better, I'm even living more spiritually. You can't see me, but I'm kind of giving myself a little bit of an eye roll. I was the skinniest, fittest, and most strong I had ever been in my entire life, which was huge for me. Because body image has always been one of my biggest struggles, and admittedly, it still is. I was made fun of as a young kid and never really felt like I fitted. A lot of the time, my inner dialogue was saying it was because I was bigger, I had a big nose, a witch chin. I didn't look the part of a nice girl. Essentially, I didn't fit in with what I defined as attractive or bred for prop- popularity. I put, a lot of, I put a lot of merit and self-worth in the basket of looks. I wish that wasn't true. I know it sounds supremely shallow. I was just so stuck on my exterior self. In reflection, I think it has a lot to do with two things. The first being the envy I always had over my older sister. To me, she was always the definition of the perfect girl. The girl I saw in all the movies and shows. The popular one. Gorgeous, funny, athletic. She had the smile, the laugh, the perfect hair and teeth. She had the group of friends that stayed by her side since elementary school. Of course, there would be friends that came and went from her life But the core group of girls were always there for her. And maybe I wouldn't have held so much weight on this, but the second part was, I always remember my mom commenting on how great my sister's friends were. She'd love having them over, and my mom had nothing but good things to say about them. A lot of the friends I had in elementary, my mom told me from a very young age that they were just using me and that none of them actually liked me. And she would always say mean things about them when they'd leave, earshot. Her common choice of phrase was, how fake so-and-so was, or how annoying another was. I remember her making comments to me about how she wished I could make friends like my sister. I had felt good about the ones I called my best friends, but somehow they never measured up in my mom's books, and always put me on the defense in case she was right. Comments from my mother are constantly flashing in and out of my head. As a reminder, I'm not trying to villainize anyone. These are just my recollections and insights. My mom's voice is one of the most unrelenting I hear in my head to this day. When I finally pushed a childhood friend of mine away by being toxic in 2019, I remember thinking to myself, my mom was right, that this friend never truly liked me. My inner dialogue consistently highlighted the idea that I would never hold on to friends and even if I did, they would have ulterior motives to be to for being associated to me. So to me, this was just a matter of time, and at first, I definitely summed it up as fate. One of the biggest struggles I've had in in my life is surrounding relationships. You'll hear more about that if you keep tuning into this podcast. So I think I'm right. I'm already jumping all over the place. Let me get back to the original point. There's lots of time to go into my mommy issues, self-image and relationship issues. So anyway, in 2016, to say the least, I was feeling great. I had finally felt good about my exterior look. I had just rekindled a relationship with an ex-boyfriend of mine, whom I had actually been with most of my young adult life. And so I was really excited. We were getting back on track, mending things that had previously been broken. And it felt like we were both different and better people for what had happened. And we were moving forward. I was working a good-paying job, with a pension, in a field where I ultimately loved the scope of work that was being done. I felt like under the right circumstances, I'd be able to make a difference in the line of work I was in. I was also living in my hometown, close to family and friends. Life was good. A big piece missing to this mania that I didn't realize at the time was that I was recovering from jaw surgery, which doesn't sound related, but let me explain. This surgery had inadvertently resulted in lots of walks, a passion for the gym, as well as eating healthier. Surprisingly, after on a long liquid diet for about six weeks, a little more, I think my taste buds in mind may have done a reset. For whatever reason, all I wanted were oven roasted vegetables. And I to this day think it is the weirdest thing. I can't explain it. Moving on. Another big part of this piece is that I was sober from alcohol and pot, which I again didn't realize was one of the biggest p- pieces until many years later. I couldn't smoke or drink, which I, because I had my jaw wired shut, Just in case anyone is wondering, I couldn't drink because if I got to the point of puking, which drinking usually led me to do, then I would have to open my wired shut mouth before being able to get it out, which could result in choking. And I couldn't smoke for many reasons. One of which was I couldn't infect the incisions, but I also just physically couldn't do it. And believe me, I even remember my sister sitting with me one day because I had to have a babysitter the first little while in case I passed out or choked. So she was sitting with me and my sister started smoking some pot and I gave her those puppy eyes and probably even cried at her a little bit. So the good sister she was, she tried blowing the smoke in my direction to see if I could even get a little bit high. It didn't work to my dismay, but we tried. Anyway, I'm rambling again. I was sober is the point. And all things seemed to be lining up. I was out on a hike one day with a friend that I had known practically my whole life. And she said, you seem so happy. I've never seen you like this. What's changed? And I remember thinking, I have no idea I'm feeling so good. It must be all the weight I lost. Things are just looking up. But soon after this, in recovering from my jaw surgery, little by little, I was healing and able to get back into old habits like drinking and smoking pot. The time I took off from smoking pot and drinking during my jaw surgery was the longest stretch I had gone without either substance. I started drinking when I was 13 years old and smoking pot when I was 14. It was a huge part of my social life. From my experience growing up, people always told me that they liked me better when I was drunk or high. They would always make comments about how much more outgoing or funny or fun I was. For someone with self-image issues and no confidence, this felt like an easy fix to my own issues. All I had to do was drink and smoke my face off and I would find the acceptance that I was always looking for. Plus, the actual socialization part would become easier. With my inhibitions lowered, it was easier to make conversation, smile, and talk to people that I otherwise would feel I have no right in talking to. And on top of all that, if I did something stupid or felt dumb. I could blame it on being drunk or high. I really felt like my relationships relationships at the time depended on this version of me. I depended on this version of me. I definitely had worries that if I stopped doing these things, that I would have lost the those closest to me. I mean, I did eventually end up losing a lot of them, but that was a cause of my own reckless behaviors and actions. Again, another story for another day. So anyway, I kept drinking, kept smoking. It was escalating to a point where I was smoking every day. And I would often drink, not excessively every single day, but definitely at least four or five days of the week, which I wish I could say was my drinking, was when my drinking was at its worst. It got to a point where I used these substances as an excuse for behaviors and decisions I was making. I hurt a lot of people this way, and I have a lot of shame and guilt over what happened during this time in my life. After the last couple of years in therapy, I'm starting to come to terms with the fact that all I can do now is try to sort it all out with my psychologist, learn, grow, and not repeat the mistakes of my past. I've often thought about reaching out to those I've hurt to try and apologize, maybe even explain But I remember one of the people I lost in all of this telling me one time that when someone is toxic, you need to just cut them out of your life. And I knew I was the toxic piece. So I haven't wanted to interject myself into these people's lives to bring up past when everyone has moved on and bring my toxicity back to them. And don't worry, I will eventually explain all these things in more detail But in all honesty, I'm still spiraling with shame. I'm still working out a lot of the feelings I have associated to this time in my life. And, you know, once I get it better sorted out, I hope I'll be able to talk about it. Shame for me is huge. I'm learning to confront it, learn from it. I'm just not quite there yet. So again, anyway... I was making re- reckless decisions and ultimately it resulted in a definitive breakup, loss of friends, loss of respect from others and myself, a ton of shame, embarrassment and guilt and a move across the country to get away from it all, start fresh. A lot of what I was ma- a lot of what was making me happy or I thought was making me happy wasn't at all. And after a trip with some girlfriends out West, I had it in my mind that to get out of town, um, the town I essentially grew up in was the, the fix to my problems, all of my problems. I wish so hard for that to be the case and that it would be that easy. Unfortunately, I did learn that shame travels, behaviors and actions are not location oriented And if you don't do something to change it or do serious and genuine self-reflection, it's like a sink full of dishes when you live alone. No one else is going to do the work for you. And if you don't, the dishes are just going to keep being there and they're going to be waiting for you to take care of them. And sometimes the pile will get bigger and harder to handle. Currently, I believe I've made it to a point in my life where I can safely say I'm happy. I'm happy that I moved across the country Um, and to this day, I would say it was the best decision of my life. I'm trying so hard not to knock on wood or be superstitious about saying that out loud. My psychologist and and I have discussed at length that it's okay to let myself be in a state of happy without fear of jinxing it Um, and jinxing it by merely expressing it. So, I will say I am happy, but this acquisition of happiness took a long, twisted, rough and rocky road. It wasn't easy for one second. I had to lean all of my weight, which felt like a weight of 10 million elephants on my loved ones, my psychologist, my support groups, strategies, meds, and more. All of this learning with the hope that I would get to what felt like an elusive point in my life where I could say I was truly recovering and feeling happy. Over the course of my recovery in the last couple of years, I've definitely feared relapse and picking up old behaviors. I've kept thinking, I'm going to screw this up somehow. This is going to be like 2016 again. I'm going to think I'm happy And find some way to self destruct and ruin it all. But I've learned recovery is not linear and no one is giving you a pass or fail. I will have been sober from alcohol for two years this November 2023, or yeah, this November 2023, and I will be clean from pot for one year this October 2023. There's a long road ahead. I definitely recognize that. I also recognize, however, that I'm optimistic. I have the right strategies, the right people, and support mechanisms in place to keep me on this path. And I mean, relapses happen, and it's all a part of the process. So a reminder to myself and anyone listening to offer yourself grace. Recovery is hard, and it's also fluid and forever evolving. I want to encourage anyone on this journey that if I had to pick up pick one thing that's made the difference for me. And yeah, it would be hard to just pick one, but if I had to pick, I would say that having key people in my life that I can 100% be open and honest with has made a incredible difference. I thankfully have people in my life that I can share every little thing in my head with, whether it's ugly, shameful, confusing, positive or negative, literally anything, without these people in my life that are willing to hear the messiness that is in my mind and sometimes even explore what it all means with me, I would still be stuck in my head and feeling so incredibly alone and helpless. Sometimes it's hard to articulate what may be going on in your head. The method that works best for me is definitely definitely by sharing Sometimes, you know, the phrase word vomiting, uh, just getting it out of your head, saying what you need to say. And I think I started doing this method thinking if I get it out, then whoever is listening can help me tell me what to do. Um, but instead, I've learned that the right people will help you come to terms with what to do and will hold space for you that is free of judgment and allows you to explore what is the right path. It blows my mind to think about this sometimes and I feel incredibly lucky and grateful to have the people in my life that I'm able to do with do this with and they know who they are. So shout out to you, but it's uh it's just been incredible to find those people. Anyway, I think I've rambled just about enough this episode. This is just a drop in the ocean. I promise with time, I will share all the ups and downs of recovery. I hope you will join me in two weeks when I post my next episode. This is all I've got to give today. In response to the energy expelled today, I will be performing the self-care of an at-home spa treatment. (laughs) I'm going to do a face mask, an Epsom salt bath, and the works. May even light some candles. Please just make sure to take care of yourself and maybe do your own little piece of self-care tonight. So thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate you taking this time to listen and be with me and be a part of this recovery journey with me while um, I share it because i'm still going through it shaping identity is available wherever you get your podcasts if you feel like connecting or finding out more you can always go to www.shapingidentity.ca and that's all i have for you today until next time signing off with a vulnerability hangover This podcast would not be brought to you today without the help of Titan Media Collective. Thank you to everyone there for your support and guidance in making this dream a reality. With that shout out in mind, I give you another production by Titan Media Collective. Take a listen. Hi, I'm Nate. And I'm Andrew. And we are the hosts of Two Beards Please podcast. I asked him if he'd ever done this before. He said that he had. So you're asking these questions while you're on the operating table? Just before we start, right. So you didn't think to ask these questions, <laughs> like, in a consultation visit or something? I really didn't care. I just wanted lines? to along the hot knife cauterization <laughs> as long as I could. I also had some adults come to my door, not with kids. Did you give them candy? I did. What's wrong with you? What's they deserve th- apples. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite comedy movie that I could think of in four hours when some idiot says, what's your favorite four comedy movies of all time? (laughs) This beardy is based on a limited amount of time, and I only had two beers. (laughs) Laugh with us or laugh at us. Either way, you're laughing, and we're responsible. Find all of the links to our social media as well as major listening platforms on our website, twobeardsplease.com.